Blog Talk Radio. Devils. 
of courage and a commitment to something greater than themselves. good with other people's money, I first have to take it away from them. That means that the welfare state philosophy of doing good with other people's money, at its very bottom, is a philosophy of violence and coercion. It's against freedom, because I have to use force to get the money. In the second place, very few people spend other people's money as carefully as they spend their own. Let me take this down to the situation in New York City right now. About, oh, six or seven or eight years ago, I've forgotten when it was, John Kenneth Galbraith, in an article he wrote in the New York Times magazine section, said, there are no problems in New York City that would not be solved if the New York City budget were twice what it is now. Now, the New York City budget has since then something like triple, and all the problems are worse. Why? Because the fact is that it's a confusion to identify the city with the people. The New York City's budget is higher, but that means that the people of New York have less to spend. It's only been transferred from people individually to the city. Now, who spends the money more carefully? The city civil servants or people who are spending their own money? Now, of course, you may say to me, well, when the city spends the money, it'll be go for the good things, and so even half of it is wasted, it's better off. But that's nonsense. City civil servants and others are just like the rest of us. We're all of us interested in pursuing our own objectives. The label again on the bottle may be welfare or health or education, but you have to look at all of the places where it drops off en route to going there. There are lots of other things that can be accomplished under those titles, and the fact is that no, more, no larger refraction of the money that the city spends goes to good things. Let me illustrate in a very concrete way. A major problem in New York City is housing. Why? Because of bad governmental policy. Rent control, which was continued in New York after World War II, in the only city in the country where it was continued, everywhere else it was dropped. It has caused enormous abandonment of houses, eroding the tax base. Public housing, governmental subsidy to housing, so that people who occupy it have no incentive to maintain it. If you had eliminated the government from the housing market and left that money in the hands of the people themselves, the housing situation in New York today would be far better than it is. Here's my question. When you see around the globe the maldistribution of wealth, the, the desperate plight of millions of people in underdeveloped countries, 
when you see so few haves and so many have-nots, when you, when you see the greed and the concentration of power within, don't, aren't you ever, did you ever have a moment of doubt about capitalism and whether greed's a good idea to run on? Well, first of all, tell me, is there some society you know that doesn't run on greed? You think Russia doesn't run on greed? You think China doesn't run on greed? What is greed? Of course, none of us are greedy. It's only the other fellow who's greedy. <laughs> this, the world runs on individuals pursuing their separate interests. The great achievements of civilization have not come from government bureaus. Einstein didn't construct his theory under order from a, from a, a bureaucrat. Henry Ford didn't revolutionize the automobile industry that way. In the only cases in which the masses have escaped from the kind of grinding poverty you're talking about, the only cases in recorded history are where they, where they have had capitalism and largely free trade. If you want to know where the masses are worse, worse off, worst off, it's exactly in the kinds of societies that depart from that. So that the record of history is absolutely crystal clear that there is no alternative way so far discovered of improving the lot of the ordinary people that can hold a candle to the productive activities that are unleashed by a free enterprise system. But it seems to reward not virtue as much as ability to manipulate the system. And what does reward virtue? You think the uh, communist commissar rewards virtue? You think a Hitler rewards virtue? You think, excuse me, if you'll pardon me, do you think American presidents reward virtue? Do they choose their appointees on the basis of the virtue of the people appointed or on the basis of their political clout? Is it really true that political self-interest is nobler somehow than economic self-interest? You know, I think you're taking a lot of things for granted. And just tell me where in the world you find these angels who are going to organize society for us. Well, I don't even trust you to do that. Well, and with that, we'll start our show. You're listening to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report with me, your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. Just one more day. Just one more day. And we will be into 2015. And my, so many interesting things have happened over the last year over the last 10 years think of how fast the, the how 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 fast the time has flown just a year ago here we were the same bat time the same bat channel the same bat station you and I were talking and I was on talking to you this very night one year ago. And here we are again, yet another year. And it's gone by very fast. And we must think about what we've done with that last year, with this year that has gone by. What have we done to better ourselves, our lot? Not the lives of others, not the plight of someone else, but how have we taken care of ourselves 
so that we may benefit others as well as ourselves in the future. Objectivism. Do we need to be taken care of? No, we don't. Today's date is, wow, Thursday, December 30th, 2014, United States of America, planet Earth, third planet from the sun. And when last we left off, we were talking about Bernie Sanders, the self-proclaimed, the self-admitted socialist senator from Vermont. He provided, oh, and aspiring presidential hopeful. Let's not forget that part. He has provided a 12-point plan to the Huffington Post to restore America's middle class. Yes, he has. We've gone through one... Last night we went from one, two, three... And now we're at number four. The caller number is 347-884-8500. So let's move on. First, let me give you, let me, let me, you know, there's so many, there's so many articles written about Mr. Sanders these days. Bernie Sanders, the Vermont socialist senator, is serious about running for president. And as much, he is a serious threat. The takers of America are largely ignorant, self-centered, and lazy group that is growing in size. They have increasingly bought into the narrative that the productive people of this country have made them victims. And as such, they are entitled to their share a redistribution of what others have worked to earn. Now, let me put this in simpler terms for you. Imagine you have two cars. You have a regular four-seat sedan, and you've worked hard. Your credit has been pretty good. You've got a pretty good income coming in based on the fact that you did well in high school and went on to college, was able to earn a degree, and you in turn you were able to get a good job and and, and, and make a pretty good living. Your 401k is doing well. You've put a good amount of money away. And you you want to go out and get yourself a a nice Mercedes Benz M class. You know, for those cross country trips, you like road trips, so you want to take a nice road trip and you don't want to take the sedan all the time. You want to have a nice uh, SUV, something you can put your camping gear in and, you know, carry a few things in and all that. So you go out and you buy that second car and you're doing well with it. Now imagine the government monitoring what you've purchased. And President 
Bernie Sanders decides that you've got too much. You don't need two cars. And if you have two automobiles, an SUV and a sedan, somehow you've gotten them by exploiting someone less fortunate than yourself. So what the government will do is, well, they're not going to come to your garage and take your vehicle, but they will tax you for having that vehicle, tax you to the point where you're forced to sell the vehicle at a loss to an auction where the government buys it and then gives it away to that single mother with the four children by three different fathers who has not punched all the tickets and gone to school and gotten the education for whatever reason. Is that fair? Is it fair for the government to take from one group of people to give to another simply because the government believes that you have enough? They have decided that you have enough riches, that you have enough wealth, and that if you have more than what they deem is appropriate, then somehow you have gotten it through ill-gotten, duplicitous means – and that you should be forced to relinquish a portion of your ill-gotten gains. Sanders wrote an op-ed for the Huffington Post listing the problems with the United States and offering Soviet-style solutions, which should play well with those conditioned through the two terms of Obama. To believe that it is better to be supported and controlled by the state than to work and have an opportunity for success on your own. Sanders' piece includes the following points. He describes as first and foremost the, quote, need, end quote, to stay focused on the growing level of income and the wealth inequality in our nation. He cites an example of the Waltons, a single family who own more than the bottom 40% of the nation's population. It's a powerful and convincing argument for those who want the government to play Robin Hood. He also represents health care as a human right of all people and not a privilege, attacking insurance companies, drug companies, and their profits in the process. Health care is a human right. Well, let's take a look at that for a moment. Let's say that I'm a medical doctor and I've gone to med school. I've done well. Eight years I've studied to be a doctor. I finally get to practice medicine. I've gone through the necessary ER rotations, surgery rotations, all of that, to the point where I am now a practicing physician on my own, setting up my own shop. I am charging 
for my services, the going rate for internal medicine, let's just say. Well, under Mr. Senator Sanders' plan, perhaps I'm charging too much. And given that health care, in his eyes, is a human right, then I should be forced to 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 provide services whether I get paid or not. And if I'm not getting paid what I believe I, I, I deserve, then so what? You've gone to medical school. You're a practicing physician. It is your obligation to the people to heal them or to provide care because health care is a human right. He believes that democracy, although not our form of government, means one person, one vote. And he picks up the theme of Harry Reid, citing the Koch brothers as villains, just one step removed from Stalin himself in the political arena. He didn't mention the eco-fascist billionaire Tom Stiver and his purchase of malleable politicians on the left. After all, their money is different than the Koch brothers. He attacks tax loopholes for the rich, an argument only the rich would have a problem with, by the way. Fair taxation is fair. But the devil is in the process, and Sanders participated alongside the Democrats and the rhino Republicans in the drafting and jamming the latest backroom-generated spending package, the C. Romney bus, through Congress. It's one thing to make claims, quite another to actually hold the system accountable. The, the only ones who attempt to hold up the process were conservative Republicans and ultra-liberal Democrats. That was less than two weeks ago, folks. One would expect Sanders might have wanted to walk the walk even then if he were planning to start talking about a presidential bid. He also claims he was he will not accept cuts to Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, nutrition, or affordable housing. Those are appealing and easy claims to make. Seeing is believing. Sanders recommends we reduce military funding and place the savings into infrastructure construction other than the Keystone Pipeline. Construction of the Keystone XL pipeline would somehow cause the earth to explode in some ridiculous bark-eating Birkenstock tie-dyed kind of way. Sanders is also in favor of free education for everybody, including college level. The Waltons are paying our tuition, buying our books, and even packing our lunches. I'm hoping I'm, 
I'm hoping they throw one of those chocolate uh, pudding cups into mine for dessert. You see, here's the thing. Free. Free education for everybody, including college level. Think about this, folks. Doesn't that sound great? Free education. But where does the the money come from? Where does the where does the money come from to pay for the upkeep and maintenance of the schools and the teachers' salaries? Where does this money come from? The rich? Does it come from the from, from the from the wealthy folks? Because there are only so many rich people here in America. And they have only so much money. And when that money runs out, what do we do? Do we simply print more once all the rich people run out of money? Or, I mean, how does that work? How do, I mean, if the rich, if, if you're taking money from rich people to put into, say, free education all the way through college, and they're and they decide, well, you know, I'm just going to stop making money then. If I'm making money just so I can, you know, give it to the government, then what's the point? And they stop. And what happens next? Can anyone guess? He makes the assertions that the scientific community is united behind the hoax of man-made climate change. Although he never uses the term man-made, man-caused, or anything like that, maybe he just wants us to believe that he thinks man has something to do with it. Regardless, he presents the scientific community as universally in support of the junk science purchased through the UN Selective grant funding works wonders in slanting the determinations and scientific projections, do they not? Sanders closes his socialist propaganda message saying, and I quote, Let me conclude by relaying to you a simple but important political truth. The Republican right-wing agenda tax breaks for the rich and large corporations, unfettered free trade, cuts to Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, nutrition, and virtually every other program that sustains working families and low-income people is an agenda supported by Fox TV. It is an agenda supported by the Wall Street Journal. It is an agenda supported by Rush Limbaugh and 95% of radio talk show hosts who just happen to be right-wing. It is an agenda supported by the Chamber of Commerce and Business Roundtable and much of corporate America. It is not an agenda supported by the American people. Where do I start? That That's correct, Mr. Commie Senator. The evil producers, the 
an endangered class in this pseudo-socialistic America we've been forced into by Hussein Obama. Work hard for a living, and we don't want to give the fruits of our labor away to lazy, good-for-nothing couch potatoes who are more interested in watching Oprah and drinking their EBT-paid-for Miller beer than supporting themselves or their widely scattered families and offspring. We don't want to do that, Mr. Senator Sanders. Sanders' version of socialist democracy doesn't bother to include the attack on the God-given right that we have grown accustomed to. Those same ones that are recognized and guaranteed in our Constitution. In his dangerous worldview, democracy and socialism are interchangeable. There is no difference. If he has his way, there won't be much difference between us and our Cold War adversaries either. Think about that. Because, folks, I tend to believe that America cannot and will not survive someone who, on its face, seems to be much worse than Barack Hussein Obama. We'll now right we learn that see the employment numbers, all of these part-time jobs that are being created, there's practically no brand-new full-time job creation going on. Sheds a whole new light on why millennials are not driving today. You might find yourself living in a shotgun shack. You may find yourself working less than 30 hours a week. You may find yourself behind the wheel of a tiny fuel-efficient automobile. And you may find yourself eating inedible food from my beautiful wife. You may ask yourself, well, how do I get on healthcare.gov? Let the dead go high. Underwater till we drown. Kiss the U.S. goodbye. Can't nobody slow me down. On whom will you depend? After the money's gone. Once you work full time. But you're only part time now. You may ask yourself, how do I work this website? You may ask yourself, where's that $2,500 savings? You may tell yourself. This is not affordable health care, but you should say to yourself, at least I still have this shotgun shack. Letting the dead go high, underwater till we drown. Kiss the U.S. goodbye, and nobody slow me down. On whom will you depend after the money's gone? Once you work full time, but you're only part time now. This website will never work. Website will never work. Website will never work. Website will never work. Let the dead go high. Underwater till we drown. Kiss the U.S. goodbye. Can't nobody slow me down. On whom will you depend? After the money's gone. Once you work full time. But you're only part time now. Let the dead go high. This website will never work. Another voice has weighed in on this Senate race. Here is Louisiana State Senator Albert Guillory with his message for voters up in North Carolina. Listen. In 2008, 
95% of black folk in North Carolina voted for Kay Hagan. The Democrats have created the illusion that they are the salvation of the black community. But who among us have they saved? In North Carolina, the poverty rate for blacks has risen to 34%. You see, black people are just being used by limousine liberals who have become our new overseers. We've only traded one plantation for another. You are not Kay Hagan's cause, and you're certainly not her charity. You are just a vote. She has stepped off your backs to fame and fortune and left you behind on food stamps, deprived of the American dream. Fifty years of this so-called great society has nearly destroyed the black community. But now we have a chance to return the favor. It has come time to send Kay Hagan home. Turning us down to Kelly File exclusive, Republican Louisiana State Senator Elbert. Hello. My name is Elbert Lee Guillory, and I'm the senator for the 24th district right here in beautiful Louisiana. Recently, I made what many are referring to as a bold decision to switch my party affiliation to the Republican Party. I wanted to take a moment to explain why I chose to become a Republican and also to explain why I don't think it was a bold decision at all. It is the right decision, not only for me, but for all my brothers and sisters in the black community. You see, in recent history, the Democrat Party has created the illusion that their agenda and their policies are what's best for black people. Somehow it's been forgotten that the Republican Party was founded in 1854 as an abolitionist movement with one simple creed, that slavery is a violation of the rights of man. Frederick Douglass called Republicans the party of freedom and progress. And the first Republican president was Abraham Lincoln, the author of the Emancipation Proclamation. It was Republicans in Congress who authored the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, giving former slaves citizenship, voting rights, and due process of law. The Democrats, on the other hand, were the party of Jim Crow. It was Democrats who defended the rights of slave owners. It was the Republican President Dwight Eisenhower who championed the Civil Rights Act of 1957. But it was the Democrats in the Senate who filibustered the bill. You see, at the heart of liberalism is the idea that only a great and powerful big government can be the benefactor of social justice for all Americans. But the left is only concerned with one thing, control. And they disguise this control as charity. Programs such as welfare, food stamps, these programs aren't designed to lift black Americans out of poverty. They were always intended as a mechanism for politicians to control the black community. The idea that blacks, or anyone for that matter, need the government to get ahead in life is despicable. And even more important, this idea is a failure. Our communities are just as poor as they have always been. Our schools continue to fail children. Our prisons are filled with young black men who should be at home, being fathers. Our self-initiative and our self-reliance have been sacrificed in exchange for allegiance to our overseers who control us by making us dependent on them. Sometime I wonder if the word freedom is tossed around so frequently in our society that it has become a cliché. The idea of freedom is complex and it's all-encompassing. It's the idea that the economy must remain free of government persuasion. 
It's the idea that the press must operate without government intrusion. And it's the idea that the emails and phone records of Americans should remain free from government search and seizure. It's the idea that parents must be the decision makers in regards to their children's education, not some government bureaucrat. But most importantly, it is the idea that the individual must be free to pursue his or her own happiness, free from government dependence and free from government control. Because to be truly free is to be reliant on no one other than the author of our destiny. These are the ideas at the core of the Republican Party, and it is why I am a Republican. So my brothers and sisters of the American community, please join with me today in abandoning the government plantation and the party of disappointment so that we may all echo the words of one Republican leader who famously said, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Here, here. Welcome back, folks, to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report with me, your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. How many of you how many of you know that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was a Republican? Mm-hmm. He sure was. All right. So now let's continue on with some of uh, Mr. Sanders' uh, points here. Now, think about it, folks. I want to ask a question here. Do you believe that President Bernie Sanders, that, that, that a President Bernie Sanders would do anything to better America – as opposed to what President Obama has done. Now we've been calling we've been labeling President Obama as a socialist since the day he took office and before. And he's behaved quite socialistic. Uh, who could forget uh, if you've got a business, you didn't build that. Somebody else made that happen. Fat cat bankers, corporate jet owners, and so on and so on. But a president, Bernie Sanders? <laughs> We're talking about a serious mess. Now, I don't believe for one moment that after Obama, that America would elect Bernie Sanders, anyone with any socialist views at all would ever get into office, will not get into office within the next eight years at the very least. It, that's not going to happen. A moderate Democrat might stand a chance. But I believe, based on the change in the Congress and the Senate recently, that we're looking at a sure thing in terms of a presidential bid as long as we have candidate. 
you know, I think America is fed up with Mr. Obama. And his leadership has been called into question. Almost every aspect of his political, of his presidency has been called into serious question in the negative. I think that a lot of Americans still like him personally. They like his personality and so on. But I believe that a lot of Americans believe that he's a very poor president. He's he's done a very poor job as president. And it's going to be very difficult for someone, some other liberal to follow in his footsteps. Unless they seriously distance themselves from him and his policies and his failed policies. Now, when we left off, we were at the current federal minimum wage. Bernie Sanders, a senator from the great state of Vermont, says in his 12-point plan, number five, the current federal minimum wage of $7.25 an hour is a starvation wage. We need to raise the minimum wage to a living wage. Every time, folks... Every time we raise the minimum wage, only one group of people suffer, the poor, because more jobs disappear. And the products produced by minimum wage labor become more expensive. The minimum wage is supposed to be a training wage where people go to get their first step on the ladder leading upward. Those who learn are promoted and get higher wages. Those who don't, well, there we go. I mean, it seems simple to me. If you're a business owner and you've got seven employees... Three of them are making $12 an hour. One is making 14 He's been there for a year or so, a couple of years. And you've got three who are training. And they're making the minimum wage. Now, Bernie says, comes in as president, and he signs an executive order boosting the minimum wage to $15 an hour. That means everybody's getting $15 an hour, all of my employees. But my yearly budget, my the money I take in, the money I put out, doesn't support that wage. So guess what? Three of you have got to go. At the very least, three of you are going to get a pink slip and you're going to be out of a job because I can't afford to pay all of you $15 an hour. Somebody's got to go. And it's not going to be me. And I'm not going to change my financial lifestyle just so someone can make more money than their worth in terms of their 
longevity and productivity. Not going to happen. That's like saying, you know, when I joined the Marine Corps in 79, I made, wow, I made about $600, 600 and change every two weeks. This is 79. That was after taxes and all that. So, But it's like saying, okay, well, you know, it's really not enough for a young private. To live on, which it wasn't for a while there when I when I was just you know naive enough to get married at the age of eighteen and start a family at the age of eighteen, I had mouths to feed. You know, I had to be. I mean, I I had I I I I backed myself into a financial corner where I had to to actually go on food stamps as a marine. In 19, well, it wasn't 79 though, it was 1981. 1981 and 1982. I actually had to have food stamps. The books, not the EBT cards, because you have them back then. For a short time, until I could, you know, get things together. And a lot of military people were like that. Because the, the, the truth of the matter is, the military talks us. You know, t- uh, plays up family. You know, family, married, settling down, and somehow you feel the need to have a family, to get married. And it's so easy to buy cars and, and get stuff on allotments and payment plans and installment plans and so on and so forth. So that happened to me, and I understand that. But I would never expect to be paid as a private or a corporal like a captain just so I could make more money so that I can buy more stuff. It just doesn't make much sense. (sighs) Number six, women workers today earn 78% of what their male counterparts make. We need pay equality, equity in our country, equal pay for equal work. Well, will we start this policy in the White House, in the offices of Democratic Senate and House staffers? Will we hire committee committees of thousands of bureaucrats to go into every company and judge the work of every employee to decide what is equal work? Because that's the only way such a policy could be put into effect. Now, since 2001, number seven on Bernie's list, since 2001, we have lost more than 60,000 factories in this country and more than 4.9 million decent-paying manufacturing jobs. We must end our disastrous trade policies, NAFTA, SAFTA, PNTR, with China. I think what Senator Sanders is saying here is that he supports tariffs. It's funny, though. He doesn't say tariffs. Tariffs acquired a bad reputation after they helped lead to the Great Depression. So maybe he just didn't want to use that word. Into the, Number eight. 
In today's high, highly competitive global economy, millions of Americans are unable to afford the higher education they need in order to get good-paying jobs. Quality education in America, from childcare to higher education, must be affordable for all. Is Senator Sanders going to require colleges and universities to make sure that all their professors are working 40-hour work weeks in the classroom? Is he going to audit the cost of universities, find out how much the teaching components cost, and then require universities to lower tuition accordingly? If so, I congratulate Senator Sanders for taking on the liberal college money-making establishment. But moreover, a good college education does not necessarily equate to a good high-paying job or sustainably-paying job. Many college graduates, as a lot of you know, are working at Walmart as cashiers, as assistant managers in some capacity somewhere. Look at some of the high-end stores. Macy's, for example. Let's take Macy's, for example. Most of the folks working there uh, – no, no, not most, but a lot – of those folks are college graduates, and they're making minor ducats behind the makeup and perfume counter, or they're selling clothing as college graduates. A good education is there's be, just because you have a mass a bachelor's degree doesn't mean that you're going to get a good paying job somewhere. It takes a little bit more than that. As a lot of you well know, we'll take one more short break and we'll come back and we'll end the show. You're listening to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report with me, your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. Hello, and welcome to How Smart Is Your President? A game show testing the intelligence of President Barack Obama. And now, here's your host, G.C. Ross! Thank you, thank you. You are too kind, thank you. Hello everybody, and welcome to How Smart Is Your President? A game show testing the intelligence of President Barack Obama. And of course, here's our guest, here's our player... Let's everybody welcome President Barack Hussein Obama. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. We want to thank you for hanging out with us. Welcome to How Smart Is Your President? Testing the Intelligence of President Barack Obama. Our player for today, of course, the President of the United States, Barack Hussein Obama. Now, we went over the rules backstage. The game is very simple. We're going to ask you a series of questions, and you hit the fancy-smancy buzzer to answer the question. And we're going to start off right now. Question number one. How many states make up the United States of America? Uh, I've now been in 57 states. I think one left to go. Sorry, Mr. President. The answer to the question is 
50, 50 states make up the United States of America. Next question. Name one European country. Compared to countries like Europe? Sorry, Mr. President. Europe is not a country. Sorry. <laughs> uh, next question. What is one of the treatments for asthma? A breathalyzer. Or an inhalator. Not a breathalyzer. Sorry, Mr. President. You meant to say inhaler. Inhaler was the answer that you were looking for. All right. Next question. Okay. As the President of the United States of America, recite for me the First Amendment of the United States Constitution. The, uh, I, I guess... I, I, hold on a second. So... So, uh, so all I'm, all, all, all I, I'm sorry. Wait, wait, wait! Don't, don't, don't start. Don't, hold, hold on. Sorry, Mr. President. Time's up. The First Amendment of the United States Constitution states as follows: Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances, something that you clearly know nothing about. Anyway, moving on, last and final question, Mr. President. Name the Mexican holiday in the month of May. The Cinco de Cuatro. Sorry, Mr. President, that was the wrong answer. You said four of five. The answer to the question is Cinco de Mayo, the 5th of May. That is the correct answer, and you are wrong again. Well, that's all the time that we have, folks. I want to thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Catch us next time when we play How Smart Is Your President? Testing the intelligence of President Barack Obama. I'm your host, GC Rock, and I'm out of here. Peace out, y'all. Well, that's always a favorite. And it's been around for a while. That's my good friend, uh, G. Ski Rocks. He has a show on Blog Talk Radio, American Airwaves. And uh, you should check out his show. He's pretty good. He's he's excellent, as a matter of fact. And he's been around just as long as I have, if not more. I've been around since 2010. I've been doing a show since then. And G. Ski's probably been around maybe a year or so before that. Well, here we go. It's almost time to begin the countdown, and I thank everybody for listening to my show. You guys have been so great. I have had a tremendous uh, amount of uh, I don't know. I don't even I don't even have the words right now. I don't have the words. I mean, but it's been a great year, and uh, you know I got so much going on tomorrow and the day after that. You know, there's not going to be a show. Um, until um, the 5th. 
until Monday, uh, January 5th into 2015. So I hope everyone has a great, wonderful, and fantastic night tomorrow night. And, of course, um, you know, I hope your day is fantastic as well, your your New Year's Day. And we're going to say goodbye to, to Christmas and pretty soon say hello to spring. And hopefully we'll all see it together. I want to thank you so much for listening to my show. There's so many things you could be doing. And you take time to listen to my show or to download it, listen to it live, download it. And, and that's great. And I so do appreciate you all so much. Anyway, I'm I'm going to go, and I want to thank you once again. God bless you, and God bless the United States of America, and of course the United States Marine Corps, and God bless you all. Have a happy new year. We're out. Through early morning fog I see Visions of the things to be The pains that are withheld for me I realize and I can see that suicide is painless. It brings on many changes. And I can take or leave this if I please. The game of life is hard to play. I'm gonna lose card on someday late so this is all I have to say I don't